0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Subscribe to Astrocast. I'm joined by Justin Verlander. Lance McCullough.
2: Michael Brantley.
3: Tons of interviews. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa. Follow your favorite team.
2: We definitely love playing in front of our fans in Minimates. For
3: the H. <laughs> Astrocast is poured for you by
4: Carbock Brewing.
5: Welcome back. Robert Ford joined by Pete Potilla, Assistant General Manager, Player Development, uh, for the Houston Astros. Uh, Pete, thanks so much for, for joining us on this Sunday. And I know you were just talking right before we started. You were uh, uh, down in Fayetteville helping uh, some of the uh, the new draft picks who have signed getting acclimated. And um, obviously that's always a, a, a significant moment for any player's career to get the career started and uh, and, and get them out playing and, and get an idea of what you
6: have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they started down in West Palm Beach. Um you know, got acclimated to orientation um, with our coordinators and sort of a physical ramp up. And, you know, a lot of them got assigned to Fayetteville uh, this past week. So it was good to see him uh, get out there and play.
5: When it comes to getting guys into the system, I mean, I'm sure you see things with guys mechanically or what have you, that uh, maybe you, 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 feel like they need to change or, or need to be fixed, but uh, how, 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 much, how do you try to strike that balance between, you know, coming at guys with maybe some some tweaks and some changes they could make after they after you just signed them versus maybe just kind of letting them play a little bit and, and then and then maybe working on things?
6: Yeah, it's definitely a balance. Um, we try to let the guys um, get their feet wet and uh, get out there and play a little bit, and you know, some of them will make some adjustments on their own and. Um, for the guys who need to make you know a little bit bigger adjustments, um, we'll have them play a little bit first, and then you know kind of go from there. And um, this this first offseason is a pretty big one in terms of carrying over some of the work um, from this season into spring training next year.
5: Yeah, and I know there's usually instructional league. I know the minor league season a little longer or ends later than it than it normally does this year because it it started later. I, I would think this year. I know there was a instructional league last year. But is that going to be even more significant maybe this year? Because, uh, I mean, it feels like guys are just trying to play catch up after many of them missed the year of development last year.
6: Yeah. I think the last year plus uh, the drafting moved back a month, um, they essentially lose a month of of, both games. Um, So I definitely think that instructs is going to be a lot more important because usually guys have a month or so of games and then, you know, Anything they're struggling with, they have some time to make adjustments and then go back out and see how it works. Um, whereas we're, we're pretty limited with about a month and a half of games after the draft. So, instructs will definitely be an important time for these guys.
5: One of the guys you drafted who hit a home run yesterday was Will Wagner, son of uh, newly minted Astros Hall of Famer Billy Wagner, and an infielder out of, out of Liberty University in, in Virginia. Uh, how much does this pedigree kind of matter uh when maybe deciding between a a couple of guys and and have you noticed a difference between uh guys who you know are the sons of big leaguers or sons of, of people who have been in the game versus maybe some other players are they are they a little more refined in certain areas
6: um i think in terms of just kind of the adjustment to pro ball itself and trying to find a routine i think guys who have that pedigree might have a bit of an easier time but um, you know, sometimes it's not a needle mover in the draft room, um, but it is sort of a nice to have um, if you can get somebody who's who has that experience already.
5: Uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about who the Astros just picked up out in the draft was uh, Yadir Diaz, catcher uh, from the uh, Cleveland system who came over along with Phil Maton in the trade that sent Miles Straw uh, to Cleveland. Uh, how important was was he being part of that deal? I mean, obviously, Maytan was the, the headliner, uh, and and what do you what do you what have you guys seen and what do you like about Yonder DIA so far?
6: Yeah, he was he was definitely an important part of that deal because obviously we valued Straw and uh, you know as a player person, and obviously had some years of control. So to be able to get Mayton um, who, who also has a uh, you know some years left on his contract, and um, you know a young prospect like he as um is pretty important for us um he's actually um started to come on even more with the bat in the past couple of weeks um hit some of the hardest hardest hit balls of his career um so the power's coming on um very high average hitter one of the highest averages in low east there um and quite a bit of power um so we, we really like the bat um, main thing offensively is just working on the uh Disciplined and you know, so he can take his walks, but uh, plus arm behind the plate. Um, you know, he was rattling off one eighths in practice, so we, we really like what we have there. And you know, there were some coaches who posted publicly on Twitter about how good of a guy he was and how, how tough it was to lose somebody like that. And he already has uh, some friends on on our team there, uh, Christian Gonzalez from also from ASWA, uh, Dominican Republic. So he's fitting right in with the guys, and you know, we're excited to have him.
5: How hard has it, or has it become harder to, to find and, and develop catching prospects? Or has it, is it just one of those things that's just always been different?
6: Yeah, I think it's, it's tough, obviously. Um, you know, a lot of guys get moved off of catcher into other positions. I think that's a part of it. And then just the general wear and tear um, at the position. But, um, you know, we've been doing things a little bit differently in the minor leagues, having um, basically three catchers per affiliate and we have them play behind the plate obviously, but also DH first base um, and then left field, second base if they, you know, have the, the speed and whatnot. So we do that mainly to get everybody at bats, um, you know, so we, we figure, you know, the more more catchers we have, you know, the, the better chance, <clears throat> excuse me, one of those guys is going to hit, um, you know, so it's kind of a balance. Obviously you only have one one spot per affiliate so i think that's also a part of why you don't see a ton of catchers in the in the big leagues you can hit because you know each team has five or six outfielders you know so you're you're talking about 25 30 outfield prospects um, to hit on potentially whereas there just aren't many catchers so we're trying to do our best to expand that as much as we can just to give more guys opportunities
5: joined by Pete Matilla, Astros assistant general manager for player development and uh uh, Jake Myers had his contract selected uh, a week ago. Today, hasn't gotten the start yet. He's gotten the spot duty at this point. When you think about Jake Myers, when the Astros drafted him at the University of Nebraska, uh, and where he is now, what really jumps out to
6: you in terms of what he's improved on? That one's easy to answer. It's definitely his uh, power at the plate, and um, he's put on you know, you know good good strength and mass uh, since we took him, and his power has gone from. Well below average now to a tick above major league average. Um, So, you know, he put in the work and that's definitely the biggest thing that's jumped out. He's always been a great defender. Um, That's, you know, the big reason why we took him, but uh, the power is just continue to increase year after year. And, and now here he is.
5: Was it one of those things where you knew the power was there and it was a matter of unlocking it, or was it a situation where, you know, you made some adjustments and then all of a sudden you guys realized that there, there was more power in there than maybe you initially thought.
6: Um, I think with most guys, we'll see, you know, we'll project that they'll add a little bit, but um, the gains that he saw are very significant, um, pretty outlierish in terms of what you would normally see a player add from you know being a junior in college uh, to age 25. So um, mechanically, he's done a lot of work with his swing, um, but really in the weight room, I think that's been the biggest thing for him.
5: You know, when the Astros, uh, in this past offseason, a lot of headlines of the signing of Pedro Leon uh, out of Cuba, there was another player you signed out of Cuba uh, this past offseason as well, Norrell Gonzalez, an outfielder who... Hasn't gotten as much attention as Leon, who unfortunately is out with the, the fractured left pinky that he suffered at the end of last month. But uh, Gonzalez, he's was at double A. Now he's he's up at triple A. And uh, what have you guys seen from him? I mean, certainly the the offensive numbers look impressive just looking at the sheet Yeah,
6: he's a he's he's a massive guy and he really swings it. Um, he's able to cut through the wind down in uh, Corpus Christi to right field there and um, didn't hurt his home run production. And. Um, He's he's done a lot of work on his body um, since coming over from Cuba. Um, so he's, he plays first base in left field. And for for being such a big guy, um, he's had comps to Kyle Schwarber, um, that type of body. Um, he moves pretty well for how big he is. Matthew
5: Barefoot's another guy who recently got promoted. He got promoted to Double A. He was a sixth round pick in 2019. He's a guy who's pretty intriguing to me. An outfielder looks like a pretty good uh, combination of power and
6: speed with, with with Matthew Barefoot. Yeah, definitely. You know, came out of a, a smaller school, um, but our scouts did a an amazing job identifying the underlying skill that he had, and uh, it was a steal at that uh, part of the draft. Um, really easy bat speed. Um, already shows um, average to. Slightly above average major league power. Um, he can run and throw. So, you know, he's a, he's a pretty um, interesting player. You know, obviously, with the performance, it's been great to see on top of the skill that he shows um, in terms of speed and power and everything.
5: Hunter Brown uh, was selected in that same draft in 2019. As a matter of fact, around ahead of uh, Matthew Barefoot, fifth round pick uh, in, in 2019. And he's up at AAA, he's made two appearances. There, what are some things that you've seen with with Brown in terms of adjustments and he's made, and, and things he's gotten better at since you guys signed him?
6: Yeah, um, I think the main thing with him is just you know you look at where he finished in 2019, and then you know where he started this year. It was a a pretty big jump for him. Um, you know, challenging start, but he's continually gotten better and better. Um, you know, basically, um, strike throwing is one of the biggest things for him. Um, he's got power stuff, you know, 95 to 98 with a, a big breaker and a 90-mile slider, um, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes the hitters just kind of stand there. Um, so you got to be able to get the off-speed stuff in the zone, and that's something that he's done, um, you know, progressively throughout the season. And I, like I said, I think it's easy to forget, you know, where he finished in 2019 and, and that jump all the way up to Double A. So um, we're really excited about him.
5: You know, you've had the, the draft, you're, you're getting players, you get the signing deadlines passed, you got players into the system. Uh, minor league season ends this year, late September, usually ends around Labor Day. We mentioned Instructional League. Of course, there'll be Arizona Fall League as well. What's kind of the 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 focus for you and your staff and player development right now over these uh, these last two months as you start to look toward uh, the, what the offseason is going to look like?
6: Yeah, one of the main things right now will be making sure that we have everything lined up for players for the off season, uh, especially from uh, a training perspective, um, strength and conditioning wise, making sure the guys have, you know, the setups that they need. Um, Cause that's a you know a big part of development in the off season. Um, it's a big chunk of time that they're away, but um, that's where you see a lot of games with, with players physically. So right now just, you know, making sure that the guys have, you know, their goals, uh, lined up going into the off-season so that they know what to work on. Steve
5: Cutilla, Astros Assistant General Manager for Player Development. Thank you so much for joining us.
6: My pleasure. Appreciate you guys having me. Correa drills one
1: deep to left field. Gets that one goodbye. Back-to-back back jacks for the Astros.
7: Boy, no doubter for Carlos Correa.
0: This is the Houston Astros.
7: Who's having a season to remember for the Astros.
1: Radio Network. We're pleased to be joined by a very special guest. The uh, Astros Hall of Fame inducts its second class tomorrow. Six members in that class, and one of them joins us now, uh, legendary Astros outfielder Cesar Cedeno. Thanks so much for, for stopping by.
0: Oh, thank you guys for the opportunity.
7: First pitch to Kyle Tucker is a strike on the outside corner. Cesar, I mean, what do you think about the game now? You're one of the most exciting players the Houston fans have ever watched play baseball, and when you watch the game right now, do you think the game has changed a lot, or do you think it's mostly the same?
0: I believe it has changed. In and, which ways? In many ways. Uh, uh, oh, back, one is outside. Back, back to the matter that the fields are a lot of smaller yeah. than they used to. I would have loved play here. Yeah, especially <laughs> compared to the Astrodome. Oh huh? my God, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as um, it would have been a, a thrill to to play uh, at the ballpark with a 315 down the line. Um, Tucker fouls out uh, of play? You know, uh, this there's, there's don't depend a lot on speed right now and stuff, right. but uh, it's, it's all about home runs and um, defense. Uh, when I play, you know, in fact, they didn't even allow us to lift weight. Really? They told you not to? Not to because you get too stiff and so on. So... Um, Hit foul again out of play it's, by Tucker. Uh, seeing the guys work out and how big they are these days, it's, yeah. um, it's unbelievable. But it's—it's um, it's, it's, the change is about hitting the ball at the ballpark, getting the ball up in the air. I work with a lot of those guys. In fact, the one hitting right now. You worked with Kyle Tucker? Oh, yes. Yeah. I had him in Greenville. I was his hitting coach. What did you think about him when you saw him at the, at the beginning? I, it was awesome. I have him Straw. I have had Correa uh alvarez i had a lot of those guys that i coach and yeah. work with and uh for many years yeah when you get those guys and they're just drafted you know when you
1: were uh coaching in the appalachian league how, i mean it's got to be a little tough because you kind of want to let them get their feet wet first before maybe you start proposing that they maybe do some different things
0: no because the way with this staff uh, when just jeff, jeff albert was the uh uh, hitting coordinator, we had already a program for them to uh, to do and, uh, and work out and put it together. Uh, in fact, with a lot of early works, trying to get them to get the ball up in the air and so on, uh, working mechanics. So you're doing that even as soon as they got drafted? Uh, right away, right yeah. away. In fact, at, we, we made a drastic change with Chad McCormick the, on the first time he got there. He had a weird stance. Swing and a miss um, at a high fastball. Tucker down on strikes, one out. We made, we made some drastic change on him, and it paid off. He's already playing in the big leagues. So what was different about McCormick's stance? His wide stance. It uh-huh. was even wider than Jeff Bagworth. Really? Yes. When he first got drafted? When he first got drafted and came to Greenville, yes. So we closed him off, and we did a lot of mechanics. We, we used the, um, we call the um, PV pipes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, you know, we just work on trying to improve the mechanics with a lot of, lot of drills day in, day out. And uh, it seemed to pay off for a lot of guys.
7: I got to ask you this. I mean, for somebody to get to the major leagues when they're 19 years old, that had to be almost traumatic. What was it like for you when you were 19 years old playing with all those men on your team?
0: Well, I was so cocky. You were? You just knew you belonged? I, I, I just knew that uh, I, I was going to play in the major leagues yeah. and, and that I was going to be successful. Uh, I was just probably one of the most cocky human beings you ever met really? <laughs> when I was a ball player. Yeah. Alemis yes. Diaz
1: grounds out the shortest Chaz McCormick stands in. Two out and nobody on. No score.
0: Throughout the league, they used to say that there wasn't enough mustard to cover the hot dog <laughs> that I was. <laughs> and back then, I mean, now you see
1: guys are a little more showy and flashy and show more emotion. But when you came up, that was frowned upon.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of all that emotion showing these really? days. Uh, uh, I think it's completely necessary, but uh, it has become part of the game these days. Pitch misses high, one and one to McCormick.
7: And as the stolen bases have kind of come down a little bit now, in, in your days, you stole, I want to say 50 stolen bases six times. Seven times. Seven times in your career. I mean, uh, what you would, you could teach some of these guys right now would be unbelievable.
1: McCormick lifts it down the left field line, and that drops in just in front of the out-of-town scoreboard, then bangs off that scoreboard as McCormick gets to second base with a two-out double. Hey, thank goodness you uh, d- didn't widen his stance. You you brought it down a little bit, huh?
0: Yes, a lot. I, a just, lot. Saw,
7: I just saw McCormick point at you just now, so <laughs> thank you.
0: He's <laughs> a great guy. He's a great guy. Uh, about the stolen bases, uh-huh. uh, uh, there's something that... Um, you had to take a lot of pride on it and, and work a lot. Um, I, I did a lot of, lot of early works and uh, trying to see how much uh, time the catcher would take throwing really? the ball from home plate to second, and how long it would take me to get to second base. So then I was almost sure that I was going to be safe if you took safe, off. yeah. must you know, muscle time. So uh, that's why I took a lot of chances. Here's
1: Taylor Jones,
0: and he drives this one deep
1: to right field. Kepler is going back at the wall, looking up. See you later! A two-run home run for Taylor Jones in his first at bat back in the big leagues. And the
7: Astros have a two-to-nothing lead. Big, tall, right-handed hitter. Taylor Jones going the other way, extending his arms like a young Cesar Cedeno. A two-run shot. That
1: was impressive from from Taylor Jones there really showing some opposite field power did you did you work with Taylor Jones at all after I he had, got
0: drafted I had the opportunity to work with him a couple of years yes uh, his first couple of years do, doing the spring training second big league home run for Jones one last year did you get a chance to go see
7: some of your your, your former players today.
0: Uh, no, the only person I saw on my way in was Enos Cabell. Oh, you did see Enos? So uh, I think tomorrow when I go in the field, I'll get a chance to see some of the guys. Oh, good. Not not, not only guys that I play with, but I want to see all those guys that I work with. That you and In the minor leagues, yes. Yeah. Maldonado
1: takes a strike. Talking with Cesar Cedeno, part of the sixth member Astros Hall of Fame class that will be inducted tomorrow and what a great honor that is for you what what, what was your reaction when you when you got the news
0: well uh, in fact it was a kind of a surprise because it, it took so long <laughs> uh, yeah uh, Rick Ryan was the one that, that gave me the call and um, I got really excited and uh, you know I'm happy it's, it's a great honor sure um, to be to be part of, of, of the Astros Hall of Fame who was the team that signed me and developed me Mm -hmm. in my leagues and in the big leagues. So uh, I'm real proud of that.
7: You missed those uh, rainbow jerseys? I mean, you look classic in those.
1: Yeah,
0: I still have them. You do? Yes.
1: Jerseys that you wore as a player? They probably
0: still fit. You're still in good shape. My sons, uh, everybody in my family is wearing 28 tomorrow. Is that right? That's great. Oh, that's awesome. Strike three call. The Maldonado goes
1: down looking at a breaking ball to end the inning. Let the Astros get the two-run home run from Jones to take the lead. Cesar Cedeno, thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations. My pleasure.
0: Thank you you for the opportunity. 3-1, and Alvarez drives it deep to left.
1: Looking up, see you later! We're tied at six! Jordan Alvarez,
7: second home run of the game!
0: This is the Houston Astros.
7: Sharing the love, five RBIs for Jordan. Radio Network. We're very pleased to have Billy the Kid, Billy Wagner in here. He's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with the Astros tomorrow night. And, Billy, such a thrill to have you back at, at Minute Maid Park. How you doing, man?
8: Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's good to be back. It's been a long time.
7: It has been a long time. So uh, there's an addition to the Astros family now, <laughs> and uh, it, it's your son. It Tell is. us about that.
8: Oh Well, it is just probably one of the I, – I wouldn't say the most rewarding, but it's so much fun to watch your kids – go out and be successful let us
7: tell everybody so the Astros drafted will your yeah, son right out and of college
8: out and of and college and he's now at Fayetteville with the woodpeckers and so uh, you know and he's once for one tonight so far and, and yeah, sorry
1: but, to take you away from watching the game on your uh, <laughs> iPad by the way the Fayetteville I, I game. It's so
8: it's so bad isn't it I mean <laughs> but I mean you know you get so caught up in your kids and stuff and I mean I mean I stepped away to to be that dad I mean I left Money on the table and years in, in the tank to, to come really watch uh you know watch my kids grow and to be able to watch them be successful and, and to chase his dream and be there. He's and that's living been great. his dream. Oh, and, and that's all he's ever talked about. He's never he's never like said ah you know if this doesn't work this is this was uh, always the, the dream for
7: him. Two balls and two strikes to Eladmi's Diaz. Over delivers the pitch. He pops it up right side <laughs> foul territory. no on the warning track right in front of the Astros dugout puts it away. For out number one, visiting with Billy Wagner. So that's interesting. You talk about you know
1: leaving money on the table. You were an all star your very last year in the big leagues with the with the Braves, but you knew you you needed you wanted to be back with your family.
8: I did. I, I mean it was you know I, it, you know I'd, I'd reached that point that I, I mean it just wasn't the same going to the ballpark every day and day. Didn't
1: have the same joy. Yeah, I energy. mean I wanted to
8: do well. I, yeah. I mean you know I, when I it was funny I just went and told Bobby I said Bobby I'm retiring after and he was like what. And, I mean, it was just simply just me and you, this is what we're doing. And next thing you know, he comes and he, he tells everybody, oh, Will Wagner's retiring. And I'm like.
1: Well, Bobby Cox did. Yeah. Cause I was
8: I wasn't really going to say anything. I was just letting him know so that he could talk to Frank Wren and they could make their decisions. And, I mean, you had Kimbrel coming up. And, I mean, they, they had dudes. And I said, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm
7: just treading water right
8: now. I, I need to. You know, go do what I can do for my were kids.
7: Were you torn because you were away from your family a little bit? Well, yeah, and they were getting to the point where, you know. Activities.
8: Yeah, and, and you know, it's you get four kids and you start doing stuff. And my wife's been a trooper. I mean, she she, she really taught our kids how to hit. So, I mean, yeah. all the success comes from her. I mean, <laughs> you know, so and,
7: and, you know, her traveling. I, I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be the, the dad, and so it was good. One-one count to Chaz McCormick. He fouls us and back. I want to ask you about this. Your first full full year in the big leagues was nineteen ninety six. You had a forty seven year old pitching coach, mm-hmm. Brent Strom. Yeah, what well, was he like back then? Because well, we've gotten to know him very well, man. He'll hurt your feelings. He will hurt your feelings. He, he tell you straight up, right? Well,
8: I had him in AAA too, so I mean, um, my f- first outing in AAA, I am um, pitching and I throw eight and two thirds, and you know, really just kind of lights out, just kind of over my skis a little bit, and so the next start. We're in Albuquerque, and he's like, hey, just want to let you know if you do well, Stottlemyre and um, Terry Collins are going to be here, and they're going to watch you pitch. <laughs> I straight pooed right down my leg. <laughs> you know, and 2-0 pitch
7: is driven to left field. It's got a chance. It's gone. McCormick with a bomb. It's 3 to nothing. That's number 11 on the season for Chaz.
1: Second row of those Landry's Crawford boxes, left center field.
7: Chaz now with a double and a home run. He scored twice, making his presence felt.
1: So second start at AAA didn't go so well, huh?
8: It didn't. And so I'm sitting in there in the locker room, and Brett walks by and goes, "Hey, you really screwed that up." <laughs> and, and he really and he, and he really didn't say it in that that nice. It was like, you know, and I mean, you know, I am I really was out over my skis. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I just threw hard.
7: That, that was really all I did. Taylor Jones rips one to right center field. That's going to get run down though by Rob snyder for Jones. Had a two-run homer his first time up. Has hit the ball hard twice, and now there's two outs. Yeah, both times going the, the
1: other way. We're talking with Billy Wagner, Astros Hall of Famer, and uh, a great honor, obviously, Billy, but uh, we got to get you into the the one in Cooperstown. <laughs> That's the next one.
7: Uh, sixth, sixth all-time in saves. Well, you, you Save get, for. I mean, you know what? I mean, in, you've talked to enough guys that are just telling you who played in the same era that you did. Everybody knew you were a Hall of Famer. That means something, right? Well,
8: you don't you, – I don't know how to explain any of that because it's, you know – It's if, out of your if, hands. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, I went out and did my job and, you know, if – People feel like I'm deserving and, and, and stuff, then great. You yeah. know, if I'm in the Hall of Fame or I'm not, it's not going to change my life one bit. I'm still going to go out and mow grass con- and stuff.
7: You're very content. Hey, when you're mowing grass, what do you, what do you think about? Are you thinking about some Hall of the Hall of things? Fame speeches. Are you? Oh, gosh. Gotcha. You don't think people rehearse that? Don't even let somebody. So you've done that? You've oh, my God. No
8: Shower kidding. everywhere. You know, that is an honor. That's, That's an honor. interesting. That's an honor to be. I mean, there's no way that you get to that point. You know, and, you know, the thing that I'm going to miss, like, this weekend is having a guy like Nolan Ryan sitting there. Because Nolan, I mean, everybody looks up to Nolan, but not everybody got to play catch with Nolan Ryan and and stuff and do those things. And so when you're when you're putting to, you know, the Astro Hall of Fame, you've got Nolan Ryan. But when you get put in the big one, you've got Nolan Ryan. I mean, it's, you know, I I don't want to downplay it and say, well, you know, but Nolan Ryan was the guy. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. when you look at these guys, those are the guys you really – you know, he's the guy for me that, you know, you look he inspired back. Inspired you. Oh, yeah. Because, he, yeah. you know, he was, man, a few words. Right. But he, when he talk, he spoke, you you listened. And, you know, I, I just enjoyed, you know, I, he made me want to be better. And when he's sitting behind the backstop and you're out there. You knew it. Oh, yeah. You knew he was uh, right oh, there. Well, you knew it, but you wanted to impress. And I told him that. I said, I didn't. You know what? I didn't go out there to try to. Get three outs. I want to embarrass that guy. And I want. I wanted him to go. That dude's a dude. That, I mean, that's that's what you yeah. do. That's, that's that's how you great. play.
7: And you know, as a closer, you know, I wasn't out there trying to get a roll over ground ball. The three two count to Martin Maldonado. There's two outs, nobody on. Bailey Ober, now with sixty pitches. Talking to Billy Wagner. Astros up three to nothing. Here's the pitch, and it's upstairs. Ball four. That's interesting. So, as you make these speeches, when you're cutting grass or taking a shower. How long is the speech, and who are you thanking every single time? You're, you've got to thank your I, wife. I, well,
8: every time. But she tells me I can't. She goes, do nothing. She, she doesn't, she, want, she, no, she doesn't she goes, want to start crying. Well, no. She don't, she don't want somebody to look, get, look at her. She's she's so beautiful. But she sits there, and she goes, hey, don't draw any attention to me. And so she said, so don't say shy. anything. Oh, she's very. She's the opposite of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm married up, and so things were I was very fortunate. But she just, uh, you know, it would be her. It would be my coaches. It would be teammates and stuff, but I mean, there's What just,
7: teammate made the most, uh, the biggest impression on you?
8: <clears throat> I think, you know, Xavier Hernandez. Oh, wow. Uh, guys in my, the bullpen. Uh, yeah. uh, Stretch Suba. Uh, guys that when you're out there... How about that? Guys when you're in the bullpen, Benjo and Bagwell didn't talk me up or make me feel good about... Right, you spent a lot of time with Stretch and those guys. Right, I mean, they patted me on the back when the game was over. Here's Altuve,
7: 0-for-2. First pitch takes outside.
8: And so, you know, j uh Mike Maddox. Uh,
7: how about Drebeck when you first came up? Oh,
8: he was unreal for me. Really? I mean, I got sent out of camp. But he was like the guy beside me. He was my locker mate. He taught me mm. how to be a big leaguer. Then when I got called up, Darryl Kyle, um, you know, Drayback, they take me out. They, they're telling me how to be an, a big leaguer. So those guys, you know, um, you know, those were the guys that were, you know, you really were. Took care of you, and you so you
7: learned how to, to be it. And We always heard that you paid it forward. You were that guy for a lot of people later on, weren't you? Well, I wanted to be because you know I, I wanted Lidge or Dotel or guys like that
8: to feel comfortable. Yeah, Campbrol and Campbrol because I wasn't worried about losing my job. The only person going to lose my job with me, they, <laughs> they're not going to be better than me. It was me having to uh, sort of just learn how to to do you know, and I mean Lidge, Lidge, Dotel will come out there and they punch out three, and I mean. Yeah. You know, they just made you better. You, you had to learn how to put that type of pressure to be better, where, you know, I, I never worried about.
7: Uh, uh. Ground ball to shortstop, bobble by Simmons, but gets the force at second base anyway. Well, Billy, it's always a pleasure to see you, to talk to you. Uh, we can't be more happy for you. Okay. To Absolutely. To get a chance to be recognized by this Astros organization that uh, is – meant a lot to you, but also you've meant a lot to them too, so congratulations. Well, I
8: appreciate it. It's such an honor. Thank you very much.
7: Lifted to shallow left, coming in Brantley. The throw to the plate on a hop, the slide
1: is out! Textbook play in left field by Brantley and a perfect one-hop strike to home. This is the Houston Astros.
7: And that could be the play of the game, no doubt about it.
1: Radio Network.
7: Bottom of the fourth inning, Astros lead 1-0. Steve Sparks and Robert Ford were pleased to be joined by the newest inductee into the Astros Hall of Fame is Roy Oswald, one of the best pitchers who have ever done it for Houston. Great to have you with us, Roy. Thank you. First pitch to Jordan Alvarez, misses low, Pineda on the mound still. And, and What's it like? I mean, you get the news and uh, you're going into the Astros Hall of Fame, the, the team that drafted you and that you actually
9: got a whole year to soak on it because we were supposed to do this last year so yeah yeah, a little a little time to soak soak it up
7: this one's belted to right center field and that is deep and that is out of here Alvarez drives one to right center field and deep the Astros lead two to nothing on his 22nd home run of the season
1: not easy to hit the ball out there right by the Budweiser patio and deep Right center field.
7: Especially as low as he hit it.
1: Hey, how much fun would it be to have this lineup
9: uh when you're pitching Roy?
1: It's
7: been, as,
9: nice, as, as, it's been real nice. <laughs> I actually I I told uh, I told him Alvarez that um, that number still had a lot of hits left in that uh, jersey. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's He's right. right. Uniform I number. left I left a lot in there for him.
7: <laughs> Here's Kyle Tucker who singled and scored his last time up. Astros lead two nothing. We're talking with roy oswald and you're wearing this this hall of fame orange i mean a sweet jacket sweet i mean you can tell uh they they spent a little money on these jackets. i'm gonna probably wear this to the daddy daughters dance next year you, there are. you go. <laughs> i thought you might wear that in the tractor
9: i might do that too, I, do that too.
7: <laughs> I was talking to shane reynolds uh he was wearing the uh the jacket he he got last year or a couple of years ago when he went into the hall of fame and he says he thinks about wearing it to the mall from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch misses outside it's one and one to Tucker.
1: So you told a story uh, or brought up something in your press conference earlier today. You know speaking of farm equipment about the uh, bulldozer that Drake McLean gave you after you won game six of the 2005 NLCS against St. Louis and uh drayton promised that to you if you won that
9: game and you said you still have it and you still use it i still have it i've I've actually had a lot of people trying to buy that thing from me wow and um i was actually on it last week um i'm doing a little project does it say
7: does it have anything with the astros it's got Astros
9: symbols and yes all down and actually has my number on the back
7: wow it's got alvarez's number now yeah i'm letting him borrow it for a (laughs) while (laughs) line drive right at Sano, the first baseman for the first out tucker Hit it right on the button. So, what were you thinking, the owner? Because it was,
1: it was in St. Louis. You were in the clubhouse. Everybody was out, you know, getting ready. Of course, you were starting. You were back in the clubhouse. And Drake McLean, the owner of the team at the time, comes into the clubhouse,
9: and you're trying. You're focused, right? Yeah, I was actually watching video of the last time I pitched pitched in Game Two against them, uh-huh. and uh, was trying to get an idea of how what I you know threw and what counts and stuff like that on the main guys in the middle of the lineup, and. Uh, He'd come in and, and Drayton is one of those guys he's he's always positive, you know he, uh-huh. he comes in and tries to pump you up for the game, and um, he's talking and and I'm trying to be respectful and look at him and watch TV at the same time <laughs> yeah so um as i'm as I'm watching and saying, yes sir he he uh, he said, "You know if you win this game that you know I'll promise you that bulldozer because I actually earlier in the year when the media was around, I did it so it'd be on film. I kind of set him up. I, I said um, he had, had he had bought one and he was working on a uh, ranch that he had in in South Texas. And uh, I told him since I've been playing for him that he'll just give it to me when he gets finished yep. with it. And uh, he said, "I might do better than that if you if you pitch us into the World Series, I'll just buy you one." Wow. And we was, I think we were on seven or nine games out of first place at okay. the time. So he was probably thinking in his mind, you know, probably no chance we're yeah. going to make it. Right. Yeah. Well, then we just go on a winning streak. We won game after game after game. And, the next and thing you I know, kept it in the back of your mind. Yeah, I'm pitching the last <laughs> game of the season thinking, all right, you know, we're getting a little closer here. That's funny. <coughs> hey, when you're sitting in the
7: tractor or you're working around, I asked Billy this yesterday. There's a swing and a miss by Diaz. He goes down on strikes, tipped it. Into the catcher's glove, and there's two away for McCormick. What do you think about you? Think about your career, and you think about some of the guys you played with. And I know those relationships run deep. But what games and what
9: team did you have the most fun competing against? You know, oh four and oh five was just a special, two special years. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, came back from. Um, I think we was down early in the year, fifteen yeah. and thirty, and um, came back all way, you know, all the way to the World Series. Uh, uh, got to the World Series and just didn't play like we normally played. Right. Uh, it seemed like we, it, it took so much to get by St. Louis that uh, that right. series it kind of took a little bit us out of mm-hmm. us. Anyway, th- those two years were the, probably the most years that stand out the most to me. Um, great guys. You still, you know, Bags and bids was on the team, yep. and um, they was kind of the core of the guys there. And um, if, thinking back, th- those years were the best.
7: Right. And you guys were really close. I mean, all you guys, I know going to spring training with you in 2006 i know how uh, close-knit so many of those guys yeah. on that team were and you were you were right in the thick of, of a lot of those
9: good friendships yeah you know roger and andy came over and um gave you know gave me a boost gave the whole team a boost uh, i'm the type of guy if you, if you try to outdo me i'm gonna try to push myself more and more yeah. and more and those guys you know they did that i knew that they was going to throw you know eight eight plus games every night so try to go out there and match them and, and do the best i could and uh it's just uh, tremendous guys to have on the staff with you.
7: That's what, that's what it takes for, for guys to get raised to another level. It's guys pushing each other, isn't it?
9: Yeah, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, you, you know, you're not really in competition with the other guys, but you really are, you know, because... You don't want to be the weak link. I don't want to be the weak link. You right, know? Yeah. You, you, everybody has that competitive edge that you want to be the best, and no matter who it is, you want to be better than they do. It's a 2-2 count to Chaz McCormick. Veneta on the
7: mound. The Astros with the run in this inning. Alvarez with the homer. So how do you fill your time these days, Roy, in Mississippi?
9: We actually just opened two restaurants um, in Starkville. Okay. Um, we opened one about five weeks ago called Taste. What, what kind of food? It's a little bit of everything. We have, um, you know, um, chicken steak, uh, pork tenderloin. I mean, we have a little bit of everything. It's, nice. It's a really – Starkville, uh, the town that um, has a lot of restaurants, don't have a lot of high-end restaurants, we mm-hmm. opened a little bit of higher-end nice. restaurant. And uh, everybody really loves it. We just – we're opening up 44 Prime is a, a steakhouse that we're actually opening next week. So um, in Starkville. In Starkville. OK. So it should be nice. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, man. We love seeing you. I'd uh, love to get a
7: chance to, to catch up with you. But congratulations. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, Very well deserved. And Altuve
1: hits it in the air. Pretty deep to left. Going back is LaCastro. At the wall. Looking up. See, <laughs> See
0: you
7: later. See you later. See you later. See you later. See you later at
0: the bottom of the dice. This is the Houston Astros.
7: And it's deja vu all over again!
3: Radio Network.
7: And hey, welcome back to Astro Launch. Special guest today is the Astros hitting coach Alex Centrone, who's been here for quite a while and seen a lot of good uh, hitting teams right now. Where does this team... This offense for you, Alex, right with the, with the other teams the last few years, pretty good, right?
10: Yeah, pretty good. I think the 19 offense was really a, a good one, but um, I think the, ni- the the 21 has been really great so far. You know, last three games haven't been great, but we have some tough schedule. We got here at 7 in the morning the other day, and I, I know the guys are a little bit tired. Hopefully today, you know, with two, two nights' sleep, everybody's well-rested and, and ready to go. That's what I wanted to ask you about because
7: we kind of predicted the team coming out here and, and playing a little sluggish the last couple of days. Have you tried to back off as far as guys getting out there and, and swinging the bats just trying to get let them rest as much as possible lately?
10: Yeah, those teams did a great job um, and putting those guys coming here late and kind of optional BP. Those guys haven't go outside as much on the couple of days. and have been hitting the cage late laying in laying the evening around 6 p.m close to game time just to kind of rest but some other guy like I i talked to me yesterday he was kind of tired the other day yeah. he was not using his legs he's kind of like hanging and, and going forward and um we talk about it i think hopefully today he is well more rested and and have a better game that's a good point you talk about hitters using their legs and
7: if they're fatigued in their legs what breaks down typically in in a, in a person's swing if their legs are
10: tired yeah, they, 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 the legs are really important. The lower, lower half is really important for the hitters. And when they don't have that, they just start hanging, and then they're not using the lower body, and they start thrusting only the hands as well, too. But he got great hand coordination um, uh-huh. that he can do that and put the ball in play and make contact. But some of the other guys, um, you know, Carlos, and yeah. and you know, he hits a long, a long trip to hitting play um, right. yesterday. Um, they only day on Friday, they rested. So, yeah, those guys need to use the lower body. I feel like they were not using that those couple of days. It's a big reason why So they get tired for that. That tree was really. No, we were in the West Coast for for almost ten days, and then we right, have right. that long trip coming back home. So, um, but they're gonna be fine. I think they're gonna we're gonna increase today a little bit. Work for them. Watch some videos and and start using more the the hip low, the lower half. To that way, they can the hands can, can work better. Alex, I'm
7: always impressed with the Ledes Diaz and the quality of it bats and uh, the way. I, the, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the way he hits good pitching is unique because not everybody hits really good pitching. A lot of guys can hit the mediocre pitching, but Oledmese has something in him where he is able to get uh, the bat to a lot of different styles
10: of pitching. What does he do so well? Oledmese a guy who is always ready to hit. He didn't like much information. Okay. He doesn't want to see his heart against the pitcher. He doesn't want to see all the kind of pitching. He telling me the a pillow. Mm. What they have, and that's it, goes out there, get ready to hit, always ready to hit fastballs, and he can adjust in the outspeed as well. You know, um, it's a guy that is unique, like you say, he don't work a lot in the cage, he just do small things, do a little machine, a little soft start a little tee, just small pieces and he just don't want to have much information, he wants to be rested and always ready to swing the bat.
7: Is part of the reason he's so good off the bench is because his swing is really
10: simple? Yes, it's really simple and everything. You know, like I say, not much information, no many swings. He's always go with his plan, go ready to hit over there. We can tell him here and there, but he always have um, in his mind that he needs to get to the fastball. That's why he's a, such a good fastball hitter. Mm-hmm. Know when he needs to get on top of the baseball and he need to know when he needs to make contact. That's why sometimes out of the zone, he put the ball in play. He, even a ground ball, they hit bloopers and here and there just because that guy knows how to make contact.
7: Mm. And Ledesma doesn't need a lot of information. Who needs or who wants a lot?
10: Carlos wants a lot. Yeah, Carlos wants a lot of information about the guy. You know, he's walking the guy, he's striking out, all of that. You know, Carlos like the, the the whole information. Tucker is another guy. He doesn't like much information. He just look uh, at the chart, see what the guy have, and that's it. Let's go there. Um, so like a, like the Tucker guy, the Julius guy, the yeah. uh, Diaz even Alvarez, they don't like much information. Altuve either. Carlos is the one who who likes to know a lot about the pitcher. Bregman too; they want to know a lot of information about him. Bradley small too. You know, simple stuff. Old school. Um, Yeah, kind of old school. God, they they like to know below what kind of pitches. Watch, he and there's some videos they face the guy. They they like more to see if they face the guy or not. Okay. They have faced the guy. um, They want to see the videos against them.
7: Alex, you and I were teammates. Uh, you were a really good hitting shortstop to begin with. But what have you learned as a hitting coach where you think you would have been better had you known what?
10: How to use my leg, how to use my hip low. Really? You know, my mechanics, land close to the play. Um, Sometimes, you know, I used to rock back. I see guys now rocking back and, and, and landing open. And I was more thinking about my hands, my hands, my hands. I never thought about the lower body. I think the lower gut, body connect you. With your hands to the plate, and um, and it's really important for the hitters those day that they they take care, you know, on the ground, be on the ground faster. What I need to do, and um, I never thought about it. I was was teach, and I was always thinking about my hands and mm-hmm. know my my movements on my on my my body. Okay, you're, you're talking about not rocking back. That's kind of a golf thing too. You want to
7: post up on that backside and and go forward from there. Oh,
10: forward, yeah, tack, yeah kind of attacking more you get strong in your back leg and just go forward some other guy need to be a little bit evenly 50 50 or a little feel more stronger in the front really? leg, in the front leg than the back side just to get to the to the point that your hip low and you don't rock back you get connected to the plate
7: let me ask you this so if you're trying to stay connected to that post that back side and go forward from there how do you make sure your head doesn't move too much going forward toward the toward the pitcher
10: I starting the first move that you do with your lower body. So your okay. lower body is, is corrected, your head's going to stay back. Your lower body is rocked back, your, your head's going to go forward. So your hmm. first move is going rocked back, you're automatic going forward. And, and, and you know, you got to make sure you hit low, you in strong position on the ground so your head stay still and, there, and that way you can get connected and see the ball stay behind the ball. Talk,
7: talking with Alex Centron, the Astros hitting coach, Maldonado had a great road trip. It looks like he's concentrating on going uh, the other way more. Is that part of the practice he's going through?
10: Yeah, step more to the middle, and um, also you know approach. I think I think sometimes you know we forget about the approach. We need to have a good approach. Mm-hmm. He, he, if we think about it. Altuve, some you know most of the time get first piece of fastball. He take a big hat, and after that, the guys start throwing him sliders down away out of the zone, pitching yeah. down down away in the zone, and and sometimes when he's not he's not in his best game, he don't he doesn't have the approach. We see him swinging almost everything that, so approach is really important. Um, Maldonado's been having a good approach to into the middle, yep. working right. some, in some good mechanics as well, lower half that he was kind of missing in the beginning, um, making big strides, walking a little bit more, which is good, um, Make contact, making hard contacts, and um, like you say, staying middle to the field. So, Alex, I'm sure you're watching Alex
7: Bregman's at-bats uh, really closely. Uh, down there with Sugarland right now. What are you seeing with him so far? I know the timing has to be a little bit rough, right?
10: Yeah, but I think like Reggie, I'm more concerned about him being healthy. Reggie's going to be – he's going to okay. find his role. He's swinging about okay for us. He's not bad at all. I think okay. He's ready to come and join us. And um, the atmosphere is different too, you know. They're, they're in down triple play. The energy sometimes not the same. The adrenaline is not right. the same. I think when they come here, boom. Get back to the likes in the bakery with the with the teammates. Alex is gonna be fine. I think his his he swings way better than he was in the beginning of the year as well. So, um, you know, I think that was a, a good time for him to analyze and start his story. swings for a lot of a long time period. Compare stuff with the past and this this year. I think he kind of find it. When he was here, he was looking good. Before he went to, to Sugarland, and he's taking that to to, to Sugarland in his rehab. And uh, hopefully, we can see him soon.
7: Very good, that's great. All right, last thing with Alex Centrone. Alex, if you had one hitting drill to, to, to use and you could only use one for the rest of the time as a hitting coach, what would you have a kid do uh, to groove his swing to be a better hitter?
10: I think uh, yeah, some people like the, the, the tee, but that for me is, it can be tricky because some guys can get into diving to the play as much with the tee. So, you got to know who the hitter is just to kind of give him the drill. Sometimes the side toss, the side toss drill is really good, coming from behind you, kind of almost. That way, you got to keep your hand inside stay to the middle of the field. I like that one a lot. You know, side toss from behind you. Ball coming, you got it. Altuve, when we struggle, we do that a lot. So, that way, he can stay inside the ball. And, you know, even if you try to pull the ball, it's not going to work because the ball's coming from behind you on the side side. Um, So, that's a really good one that I like for everybody, for the kids, especially because they want to spin quick, open the hips. A lot of kids does that. So I think that will keep you close, and it will keep you head behind the baseball more than anything to the middle of the field. All right, great information. Alex Centron, it's always great to see you. Thanks, and uh, keep up the
7: great work. All right, thank you, Steve. Back with more Astro launch right after this. Subscribe
1: to Astrocast. I'm joined by Justin Verlander. Lance McCullers. Michael Brantley.
3: Tons of interviews.
1: Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa. Follow your
2: favorite team. We definitely love playing in front of our fans of Minimates.
5: For the H. Woo! Astrocast is poured for you by
1: Carbach Brewing. The one-strike pitch. And Alvarez cranks it deep to right field. Bellinger is back. Looking up. See you later. A two-run home run for Jordan Alvarez to give the Astros a three-to-nothing lead. Alvarez with his 20th of the year. It's on the way. And that is strike three. Call on the inside corner. Frozen with a fastball, and the inning is over. Dodgers strand a couple, and we head to the ninth inning. Astros three, Dodgers nothing. Bottom of the ninth inning, and Ryan Stanek on to try and get the final three outs. He has a save this year and a one-and-two record. Two-two to bets. That's a ground ball into the shift, fielded by Altuve, just to the left of second, throws to first in time, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros take the first game of this two-game set in L.A., winning the night by a final of 3 to nothing. Lance McCullers Jr., Blake Taylor, Kendall Graveman, and Ryan Stanek combining on the five-hit shutout with McCullers throwing the first six and two-thirds innings to pick up the win.
5: For you to get a chance to close out you know, one of the biggest wins of the year and, and do it so well, is this one of your uh, better moments so far of 2021?
11: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would say so. Like, it's just a, a big spot against, obviously, uh, one of the best teams in the league. So, and my first time ever in, in Dodger Stadium, too. Uh, so, it, 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 felt, it felt good for sure. It was definitely, definitely a situation where I was really glad I got the call and, and just went out there and just did my job.
2: Ron, have you ever played in an atmosphere, anything close to that? And just what was, what was it like being here tonight and playing in this game?
11: Uh, it, was, it was electric. It was, it was kind of wild. Like, uh, things got a little... Uh, hectic in the bullpen. People started throwing stuff, like, at, like, Astros fans and stuff. And, like, a few minutes, you basically just sat there and watched people throw basically full beers at people for <laughs> for a half an inning. It was kind of crazy. But, yeah, like, like, everybody's in it. Like, everybody's loud. Like, it was just kind of a, a bonkers atmosphere to play in, for sure. Nothing came at you guys in the bullpen, right? Were you guys safe and okay? Yeah, yeah, no, we were fine. There was just uh, a lot of mean words, <laughs> but uh, besides that, it was it was all good. Like, uh, nothing nothing got thrown our way, but, I mean, it's nothing that we haven't basically heard all year.
2: And I don't know where you were watching it, but to watch a young guy like Blake Taylor come in that situation against Muncie, um, just what have you seen from him all year and just that in that moment, how big was that to keep this game where it was?
11: it was it was enormous that was that was a huge turning point in the game like it it, it, it able like they were they were starting to kind of maybe get a little get a little bit of something rolling and Blake's just been pounding the zone like this year and like just went right after him got got behind like kind of just just two misses and then really locked it in and started attacking and attacking and attacking and that's that's just what he does and he made like a really really good pitch uh to get him chasing and and Basically killed that momentum there. That was It was enormous. It was a huge situation for us. So
1: the battle continues. This will be the ninth pitch of the at-bat. Taylor's set. He kicks. The runners go. Payoff swung on and missed. He got him to chase one outside. First slider of the at-bat. Once he was not expecting it, and he strikes out with the tying and go-ahead runs on base.
2: Blake, you've been in some stressful situations your first couple years in the big leagues. I guess where does that situation compare today, and how are you able to kind of slow your heartbeat down especially after getting, especially after going behind 3-0 and come back and win that at-bat?
4: You just got to take each at-bat at a time. Like that was the most important at-bat of my career in that moment. And to be honest with you, that was probably one of the biggest at-bats of my career thus far. Um, I mean, Dusty, Dusty stayed out there a little bit after uh, to talk and he just told me, he goes, Hey, just take a deep breath. If you fall behind, just know that you've got good stuff and just throw it over the zone and left, it's hard for lefties to hit you. So, I knew once I fell behind 2-0, I was like, okay, like he's not budging. He's he's a good zone control guy and I got to beat him in the zone. That is that is what I got to do. And uh, he fouled off a bunch of balls in a row and I knew he was in swing mode and Maldi called a slider and I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, okay, I got to make this look like a striker or else he's not going to do it. So that that was the result that we got and I'm very happy about it. Very happy that delivery of that.
3: Blake, could you describe your emotions after you got the strikeout, Lance went bonkers in the dugout. Players were going nuts. What was that like as you walked back?
4: It was a very—it was a moment I'll probably always remember, just because growing up in Southern California, I was—I was not the biggest Dodger fan. I was an Anaheim fan, and just to kind of go out there and do that, and to pitch in front of those fans, and just to get the atmosphere and get the adrenaline from the atmosphere, I. I mean, I, I, let, I let out a let's go at the end and I was pumped up and, you know, everyone in the dugout was just as pumped as I was when I came in there and Lance was the first one to be at the bottom of those stairs and like congratulate me on getting on, out of that one. It was awesome to go back into the dugout with
3: that. You went all fastballs um, to Muncie up until that last pitch. What made you just go with the slider there?
4: He, was, he just kept fouling off the fastballs, fouling off the fastball and a guy like Muncie, he's got good hand-eye coordination. He, he, he doesn't miss a lot. He doesn't have a big whiff, like a whiff hole or anything. So I knew that if I made a slider look like a strike, he was going to swing at it just because he was getting swing happy up there. And he's fouled off probably four or five pitches in a row. And, you know, like I didn't want to leave a fastball over the plate and I didn't want it to go too far because of his eye. So I, I knew I just had to throw a good slider. And that had that was like my uh, Cleveland outing. I knew it had to be a really good slider to get that guy out.
5: What do you think it says about this team? I mean, you took, you guys took a ton of abuse tonight and, you know, not that, not that anybody would have expected you to fold or anything, but you guys st- played such a good overall game, pitched well, hit well, everything in the face of this on such a big night. What does it say about your team?
4: Just that uh, it takes a special player to put an Astros jersey on if you're not willing to withstand the criticism you're going to get at every stadium we walk into. You can't handle it. Like, it's, it's tough. It's a tough gig. It's a tough to ask a lot of guys to do. But the crew that we have right now, they're all they're all in on this. They know that they're not the only ones going through this. Every single person in this clubhouse gets food every time we walk on a field or any like just gets called cheaters and everything like that. So at the end of the day, we're just one big family and we're just we have each other's backs no matter what. We pick each other up when we're down. So that that just goes to show how special this team is, just how we endure it, take it head on, take it like it doesn't matter. We're gonna go out there because we know we have each other's backs and we know that we're a good club and it takes something special to wear the Astros across your chest. 2-2, two,
1: two. swing and a miss. Muncie goes down on an elevated fastball and McCullers picks up his first strikeout, one out. The 1-2, and that is strike three call. A slider over the inner third. Throws Smith in the inning is over. The 1-2, swing and a miss, and goes down on the slider away. Taylor is the third strikeout victim of McCullers, one out. 2-2, two, two. swing and a miss, and Turner. Is out on strike. Pitch on the way. And that is strike three call on the inside corner. Frozen with a backup slider. Emma Cullers gets his sixth strikeout. One away. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Fastball by Turner upstairs and the inning is over. Windmill's the bat around as he waits. The 3-2 to Smith. Swing and a miss. Struck him out on a slider inside. Emma Cullers now has eight strikeouts. There are two away. Here's the one, two. And Beatty waves and misses and strikes out again with the curveball. He kept going back to the curve, and Beatty could not catch up.
2: Lance, I think you averaged 95 and a half on your sinker today, which is a little bit above what you did all season. How amped were you for this start, and just how much extra adrenaline did you have coming into this atmosphere?
3: Um, I, I was calm, actually, um, uh, throughout the day leading up to the start you know I, I enjoy pitching in games like this and environments like this um, It's probably the most fun i've had pitching in quite a long time so i just wanted to go out there and give my best effort for the guys you know we you know we're, we're, we're trying to win ball games trying to you know stay you know in the head of our division we're playing some good teams so i wanted to go out there and you know really give them really give them a big effort
5: what did you think of the the atmosphere and just compared to some of the other big games you've played here? I mean, you started game seven of the World Series, but it, it certainly seemed like a playoff atmosphere.
3: I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the reception on the way out to the pen. I felt felt comfortable, felt calm. So, um, yeah, they had a lot of people here. You know, it was obviously um, a lot of booing, but I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Speaking of enjoying things, Lance, how much did you enjoy what Blake Taylor did? Uh, take it from me. Facing those guys that we had to face tonight is kind of miserable. You know, the stuff they have. And they have a very good team. I thought Blake did a fantastic job, especially, you know, falling behind, trying to make good pitches. And he came back up the big strikeout. Can't say enough about Kendall Graveman. He is is so nasty. It's so fun watching him pitch. And uh, Stanek comes in and did absolutely great jobs blowing down doors. So um, defense – was was great. Guys grinding at bats. Maldonado, just a fantastic job tonight behind the plate. He added a beautiful slide there at the end as well. And, uh, you know, coming with the W, we, we want to win tomorrow.
2: Lance, specifically with your arsenal tonight, it looked like you were commanding your, your two-seam kind of wherever you wanted it. Just Was that the pitch that, that guided you tonight, or what did you think overall of your stuff?
3: Yeah, I, I honestly, I just uh, – I told maldi today when we were doing the meeting together, I said, man, I just want to – you know, I just absolutely want to attack the zone with, with everything. You know, I, I just want to, I want to put them on their heels. I want to make them feel like I'm coming at them, um, you know, and just kind of overwhelm them. So that, that was the game plan for sure. Um, Maldi did a really great job of having an idea of what pitches were working throughout the game. Cause things, things come and go as, especially, you know, as you're pitching and the innings are going on and you're out of the stretch, you're out of the windup. So a big part of his job is, You know, kind of being able to dissect. You know what what am I, what am I throwing the best right now? You know, know, with the swings, we were facing Bellinger with with the guys on base. I wanted to go to breaking ball. He came out and talked to me and said, "Bro, your two seems great. Uh, You got to trust it right here." And you know, we we got the pop up, which which was a big out in that inning. So that was the game plan, though.
5: Where that ball hits off the foot, and uh, are you okay with that?
3: If my ankle would have been a little more angled, it may have popped up, and we could have caught it. I would have been most happy with that, but it got me like half on my on my ankle bone and half on my high tops. Luckily, I was I was wearing high tops, so um, I just had like some numbness in my in my leg for as I was kind of rounding, and uh, I felt I felt great, I felt fine. I, I told Dusty, I said I, I want to stay in this game, I want to finish it. Um, had a great at bat there after that happened, and then Mookie just I, I made a lot of good pitches in that at bat. He just he had a. Uh, he had an MVP at AB there. Um, fastball's up, was barely above the zone. Wasn't really going for him. The sliders, he was fighting them, fighting them. And I, you know, I kind of, I kind of lost it there. But you know, I, I'm fine. It, it'll be sore, but it'll be okay.
1: see holding on. Correa at first base. The one strike pitch, and Alvarez cranks it deep to right field. Bellinger is back, looking up. See you later. A two-run home run for Jordan Alvarez to give the Astros a three-to-nothing lead. Alvarez with his 20th of the year. Well Alvarez didn't miss any of that baseball,
9: did he?
2: He did not. Jordan, you, got, you guys have been in some uh, crazy atmospheres this year. I guess, how did this one compare, and, and what was it like playing kind of in the stadium tonight?
11: Yeah, we, uh, we knew what we were going to be facing when we came in here tonight. Um, so I think, you know, we just prepared to play the best that we could, and, and things came out well for us uh,
1: tonight. Young Astros fans, it's never too early to show off your Astros pride. With the season in full swing, be a part of the official Astros Kids Club today.
7: Kids 12 and under can join the Astros Buddies Club and receive a Buddies backpack, cap, socks, and access to exclusive events and activities throughout the year. All for only
1: $25. What's even better, it will get shipped right to your door. For more information and to
7: purchase your Astros Buddies membership, visit astros.com slash buddies today. This is Steve Sparks and Jeff Blum, the color analyst for the television broadcast for the Astros, is our guest today. Before a four-game series with the Minnesota Twins, first of all, Jeff, thinking about playing the Twins right now after that emotional uh, road trip. What do you think the
12: Astros are in store for? Well, I, th- I think you. we talked about it before we got on here, and you called it a trap series, and I think that's exactly what it could be, yeah. and I hope it isn't. You know, the Astros have had a tough time against sub-500 teams as it is, but coming off such an emotional and intense rivalry-type situation for those two games in L.A., and then to arrive early this morning, get stuck in traffic, not get to your bed until about 9 a.m., and then having to show up for a game against the Minnesota Twins, who pretty much I feel like have mailed it in, you know, made a couple of trades. Uh, they're just kind of looking towards the end of the season. But if you don't come in here and anticipate playing good, hard baseball, you could find yourself in a situation where the Minnesota Twins fall into a victory, and that's the last thing you want to do.
7: You know, I, you feel like the Astros have gone through so much turmoil in the last year and a half. And it feels like that Dodger series, for whatever reason, was the last fear of the unknown. Almost like, all right, we've gotten through every single scenario we can with New York and Boston and now with the Dodgers out of the
12: way. You think that the Astros players can at least push this behind them? I hope so. I know it's been kind of rough throughout the season, and you've been down there and talked to those guys, and I've had a chance to talk to a couple of guys. And they've actually kind of – it surprised me to hear them say that they actually kind of enjoy playing in that environment because they – they understood the situation. They kind of embraced it. It brought them together in the clubhouse. They play hard on the road. They have the best record on the road in, in baseball. So it kind of tells you that they are, they are thriving in what should be a rough environment for most guys. So I think it's toughened them up a little bit. And I agree with you in the sense that LA was probably that one series they would looked at throughout the course of the year and said, "Oh my gosh, this might be one of the, yeah. the worst of the worst." And I hope it is the worst of the worst because national media got a hold of it. The national fan base has got a hold of it. The, the hometown Astro fans got a hold of it, and now they get to come back here and play. And I hope that's the end of it. I hope that that is as bad as it gets because they have, they've gone into that environment. They haven't bitched and moan about, moaned about it. They've played through it, and hopefully now it's over with. But if that is the worst of it, then these guys are going to have a great finish to the season.
7: Talking with Jeff Blum. Jeff, uh, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about the tread deadline moves that James Click made. Uh, I thought stockpiling arms is just exactly
12: what the team needed. What did you think? I I absolutely did. You know, last night's game was a perfect example of what they needed to go out and do. Now, the only interesting thing is, you know, we didn't see Christian Javier where you thought he might have been that long man to kind of bridge the gap to get to the back end of the bullpen. But uh, the way those guys prepared themselves and came over and did a job that they've been doing here in a brief amount of time, we've been able to see uh, Phil Maton, Garcia, Montero, and Graveman has been absolutely impressive to me. And I agree with you in the fact that stockpiling arms is a beautiful thing. It paid off in last night's game because they came out and threw five shutout innings uh, dominant fashion against a team that was really tearing the cover off the ball for the first three innings and shut it down the rest of the way and almost gave an opportunity for the offense to get back in that game. But uh, I think that it, it it was paramount that they made some moves to cover some innings and they did a great job picking up guys who have pitched in high leverage and have wipeout type stuff.
7: Last thing, you, you go through August, and we've felt this before as players. With the Astros right now, they don't have a comfortable lead uh, in the division, but they've got a little separation with Oakland now. How did they get through August without mailing it in?
12: I, th- I think because they did make it through that series with L.A., that road trip was probably the toughest road trip for them just because of the the talent they were playing, the Seattle Mariners were playing well, the Giants are playing well, the Dodgers are playing well, so they kind of face the best of the best, and I think that they're going to be good going the rest of the way, and if they actually look outside of their own situation and understand that Seattle has a rough finish to the season, uh, the Oakland A's have a tougher schedule finishing off the season, I think I, I think these guys, if they look outside of their own situation, will understand that they are put in a very good position to go out, win some ball games, pad their stats, and maybe see some of these other teams falter when when they start to play some tougher competition in those dog days of August and September. Maldonado ready with the white batting gloves and the two-toned bat. Here's the 2-2.
1: And that's lifted in the shallow center, racing out and making the lunging catch is the second baseman, Polanco, and that is the ball game. Excellent play by Jorge Polanco going back and ranging to his left and reached as far as he could with his left arm to take away that soft liner by Maldonado. Astros turned side as the Twins hold on for the 5-3 victory. Infield back, shaded slightly to pull. Garver holding on, Castro at first. First pitch to Altuve, and he bunks it third base side. Coming in the bare hand and throwing to first Ceno, and it's in time to get Altuve, and that's the ball game. Ceno with a fist pump after he sees the out call. Altuve laying down a bunt to try and bring in the tying run, but Ceno moving over to third this inning makes the play. And the Twins hold
7: on for the 5-4 victory in 11. Boy, what a play. Unsuspecting Sano Saw it pretty early, charging, and had to barehand it, do or die, and got Altuve with a very athletic play at the hot This corner. one's belted to right center field, and that is deep, and that is out of here. Alvarez drives one to right center field and deep. The Astros lead 2 to nothing on his 22nd home run of the season.
1: Kick and the pitch. Curveball, and that's bounced up the third baseline. Jess Farron just, just passed the dive of Astadillo and headed for the left field corner. Correa scores. Tucker around third. He'll score. It's a two-run, two-out double for Aletmes Diaz. 4 to nothing Astros. Clutch hitting by Aletmes Diaz once again with two outs. The 0-2. And that is a line drive. Stared by Correa on a short hop to his left. Straightens up and throws out Sando. Brilliant play by Correa. And that is the ball game. The Houston Astros end their three-game skid. Defeating the Minnesota Twins by a final of 4 to nothing, As the Astros garner their fifth shutout win of 2021. Let's go down now to the Astros dugout where we're joined by Alemyes Diaz, two hits tonight, including the big two-run double to give the Astros some breathing room in the 8th. I mean, I know it was two runs a me but it it, had, it almost felt like it was more than that uh, because of the way this game had been going and and how closely contested it had been.
10: Yeah, I mean, like Garcia does a great job for us, you know. Like, and then the the, the bullpen for us, you know, like we are strong, very strong, right there out there. So, just uh, playing a clean game, you know, a good defense, a good pitching, and a great win for the team.
7: It led me, as I was talking to Alex Centro and your hitting coach today, and he was telling me. You don't like to know hardly anything about the opposing pitchers you face. Just about how hard they throw—that's about it. Is that right?
10: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, we just have a great approach here, you know, like to the middle of the field, you know, and just watching this guy hit every day, you learn so much. Yeah. So just focusing, get a good pitch to hit, and uh, get your approach.
1: You know, since you've come off the injured list, it's almost like you, you haven't missed a beat. Have you been feeling pretty good at the plate pretty much the entire time since you've been back?
10: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I was glad enough, you know, to go to the minors, uh, you know, for a few games and uh, get my time in there. You know, but you never know when you come back, you know, like, you know, like you face great pitching every day. Just uh, get a good approach there, you know, like prepare myself in the cage, uh, hit on the field and uh, the results out there right now.
1: All right, Elad Mies Diaz, thanks for joining us. Congrats on the good game and on the win. Thank you, Austin. Subscribe to Astrocast. I'm joined by Justin Verlander. Lance McCullers.
2: Michael Brantley.
3: Tons of interviews. Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa. Follow your favorite team.
2: We definitely love playing in front of our fans in MMA. For
3: the H. <laughs> Astrocast is poured
5: for you by Carbach Brewing.